Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 375, coming to you on Pi Day 2023. That's right, it is March the 14th, Pi Day. <laughs> now, I know it's normally Texas Tuesday, and I cannot let you down. So, just think of it as, we want our piece of the pie. <laughs> well, you know, interestingly enough... They've always taught us in economics that the pie doesn't necessarily get smaller when you have more people involved. I wonder, does that translate into countries? Is it possible that countries, when they get their independence, actually become more productive and produce more and grow more and take care of their people better? In other words, like pruning back, right? You have that rose bush out front, you prune it back and you get lots of new growth and lots of new flowers and it looks great. A little dynamic pruning. They also do the same thing to crepe myrtles where I live, right? We have the crepe myrtle trails or we used to, I think the city that's unique by nature might be paving some of those over, but there's still a lot of crepe myrtles around and I got to tell you, it's a kind of a neat uh, bush slash tree, depending on how you prune it. It's, but it looks really cool and it flowers nicely and it keeps growing and growing. And this time of year, they begin to bloom. That's because it's spring. And those of you that, well, if you live in the continental United States, except for Arizona, apparently, parts of Indiana, you have sprung forward. That's right. The clock moved on Saturday night going into Sunday, and we're now an hour ahead of where we were just a couple of days ago for a while. Now, why does this matter? Well, you know, because this rule is something that came from the federal government. Quite frankly, it was, if I remember correctly, it was an idea from Ben Franklin, and it had its purpose back in the day before electric lighting. And they may have instituted it, oh, I don't know, during the economic crises of the 70s, you know, when they allowed fuel to get out of control because they misabused or disabused, well, you know, treated poorly <laughs> the people in the Middle East, and they decided to fight back with the only thing they had, which is control of oil. That's right. So when you talk about dependence and interdependence, we, the United States are no better than anybody else. We're just as dependent upon our fuels for electricity production as most other countries, though we do have the ability to produce from nuclear power where it's still available and, you know, hydroelectric where they haven't blown those up and, oh, you know, wind power when it works and solar power well, when the sun's out. Other than that, we have natural gas and a ton of natural gas and when we get desperate, coal. So we, we have the ability to do this. So why we would continue to stick to this idea, right? It's kind of beyond me. I, I'm sure it's kind of fun if you like changing your clock twice a year. But other than that, I'm not sure that it perf performs any strategic purpose other than people just do it because they don't know any better. They don't ask any questions. That's just the way it's always been. We're still at war with East Asia. But I digress. So I'm going to deviate here just a little bit. It's Texas. It's Texan. And it's Tuesday. So 
For those of you that don't know, uh, in my family tree, there is a section of it that is distinctly Irish. I don't identify as Irish. I actually don't really identify as anything. I guess maybe, just maybe, the strongest percentage or the highest percentage, if you want to, of nationalities would be German, followed by probably Irish. And I had a boss once that told me, uh, why would I celebrate either of those two nationalities or cultures when the two things that they are best at are drinking and fighting? (laughs) I don't know if he was entirely serious or not when he said that, but it got me to think, you know, we as Americans, particularly white Americans, when you get down to it, right, European descendant Americans, many of us don't sweat. Or think about where we came from, where our families came from, what our history and basis is. Now, I don't know that overall that's been a good thing. I I question the uh, long-term results of completely disassociating yourself from where you've come from. But in the greater good, if you will, there are a good number of Irish, Polish families and uh, quite frankly, Italian and German and Czech and Finnish and Swedish and Norwegian. They all pretty much set aside their national identity. They maintained their culture, particularly where they were highly concentrated, but they were Americans by and large. They were proud to be Americans. Now, some of them would celebrate you know, certain little cultural things from back in the old country. But by and large, a, a whole generation of people was told, no, you give that up. That's from the old country. We're, we're in America now. We're Americans. We don't do this. Now, for better or for worse, that's where we got. We're in like this homogenized uh, European flavor here. There's nothing mm, distinctly unique What's interesting is I've heard of people say that anything that is uniquely American is actually black American. Now, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't I don't know if that's true or not. But I mean, rock and roll music comes out of uh, gospel country and R&B or blues, uh, which I guess two of the three are strongly influenced by the Africans that came here. Most of them almost all of them unwillingly. So there is an argument there, but in that case, it's not really distinctly American now, is it? Because it's African based, just like many of the things we do are European based. And perhaps if you're on the West coast where there's a heavier Asian influence, it's Chinese or Japanese or Korean based, right? Or I don't want to leave them out. The, uh, the, uh, Indonesian, the Vietnamese, the Taiwanese uh, go on at all. I'm not looking to slight any one group or culture, but when they came to America, they came to America on this idea that they were going to become Americans. Nobody asked them to jettison all of their culture. Nobody said that, uh, hey, whatever specific thing is no longer welcome here, at least legally, right? I mean, sure, there was pressure from whatever the majority was in that specific location. But I mean, there still is a Chinatown or a Korea town, or there's the Mexican area town, or, or, or there's even black areas of town. And while we're at it to lump all the Latins together would be a huge mistake. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure that if I remember correctly, Salvadorians don't like being mistaken for Mexicans and Puerto Ricans don't like being mistaken for anyone that isn't Puerto Rican. There's a little bit of pride there, right? We are who we are. And maybe it's because they're only one generation removed. Or maybe it's because when they came to the United States, they stayed real tight within their culture. Okay, I get that. I don't I don't hate that. I don't think it's a terrible thing. But let's look at this a little bit further. For those of you that aren't aware that most of Appalachia was was uh, scattered uh, Scotch-Irish people, predominantly. They continue to live much the same way from the time of the colonization, right? The late 1700s, early 1800s, clear through to the rural rural electrification program. Wow. (laughs) Rural electrification. (laughs) Let's just say the New Deal era. (laughs) They, They live much the same way. Now, you and I may not look at that and see that as something we want to aspire to, but by and large, those people were content and they really just wanted to be left alone. And to the extent that we could learn something from that, the idea that we just want to be left alone, I bring that up. So interestingly enough, you've got this amalgam of different European flavors melded with certain Latin flavors. And let's not forget that the Spaniards were here before pretty much anyone else. Maybe not in large numbers, and they intermingled with the native population, for lack of a better term, which is really a population that just happened to beat the first Europeans here. And they blended together, and they became their own unique um, culture. You know, people hate the idea of a race now, right? Well, we don't talk race. That's a that's a that's something that's made up predominantly by white people. Well, what's a white person? Well, you know, Europeans. Okay, so what's European? It's ridiculous. It's a simplistic term to say, well, that person's Latin. Oh, well, Latin what? Well, you know, they could be Portuguese. They could be Brazilian. They could be Colombian. They could be Mexican. They could be Puerto Rican. They could be Salvadorian. They could be from Belize, which is an odd thing all by itself. Or they could just be Creole or Haitian. You don't know. There's a whole lot of people that fall under the Hispanic, the Latin culture, but it's a mix. It's a mix of French. It's a mix of Spanish. It's a, it's a mix of the various, mm, let's call them Indian for lack of a better phrase, Native Indian maybe, or Native American, or Native Central American. It's a mix. It's an amalgam. It's a mazito. I think that's the correct term. Well, be that as it may. In Texas, we have our own unique culture. You knew I was going to get there, right? It is a Texas Tuesday on Pi Day, right? And we're talking about our piece of the pie, right? So that's Texas. So now in Texas, you have the Tejano culture, which melded with the Texian culture, right? So the Texians were based out of the frontiers people more than anything else, which would be Tennessee, Kentucky, right? Maybe throw in some Georgia and the Carolinas. If you're getting froggy, you might even include some Virginians. But by and large, there were not a whole lot of Yankees there. Just saying. And then you've got your uh, Tejanos, which were people that were of mixed descent from Spanish and various uh, Indian culture. 
they were here and they, they mixed together, they worked together and they, they created what became modern day Texas. But we would be doing everybody a disfavor if we were to ignore the fact that there was the Caddo, the Arapaho, the Comanche and the Apaches that were here. And what's, and I know I've missed some other tribes. Okay. I'm not doing this to dismiss. Oh yeah. You know, because I do have a tribe in my family tree as well from the Northeast. Not entirely sure, but we think it's one of the Algonquin tribes could be Mohawk could be Iroquois. Not really sure. Not, Not that big a deal to me personally, but maybe somebody in my family knows, Hey, you got my phone number. Give me a call. <laughs> so uh, no disrespect intended. Just know that there were m- multiple Indian cultures present apart from the Latino culture or the Tejano culture. And these amalgams and these different blends came together. They were front- frontiersmen. They were town builders. They, they became ranchers and oil barons. And, you know, they became what is Texas now. And to pretend that Texas is anything more or less than an amalgam of at least two or three cultures that blended together in a specific way to get this outcome is doing everybody a disfavor. And I know in the last, let's say, 40 years, Texas has undergone a difficult transition with a massive influx of Yankees. And I got to be honest, most of us, that have come here, brought all of our Yankee-ness with us. I exclude myself. The only thing Yankee about me is probably still the way I talk and my family tree. I'm a Texian, loud and proud. My wife's a Texian, loud and proud. My daughter, the natural-born one, is more Texas than I am. And my older daughter, who was born in Wisconsin and got here as soon as she could, She's far more Texan than I am in many, many respects. And we're loud and proud about it. We set aside our Yankee ways. We came here to join an existing culture. We came here to join in with what made Texas what it is. And it saddens me. And it, and it, it almost depresses me in the way that people come here and they think they're going to make it better. They, they think they're... They're what's uh, driving Texas. No, I think a lot of them are coming for the ride. I I think uh, some leaders in Texas took a foolish risk years ago when they decided that if, if we were the economic envy of these United States and we drove jobs and we brought people down here, that they would come and add and become part of Texas. But what a good number of these people have done is they're coming here and they're bringing where they came from with them. They're trying to change Texas. They're trying to Yankee-fy Texas. They're trying to Californicate Texas. They have zero interest in joining and becoming part of Texas. And that was a foolish risk because while we've been dealing with the cultural depreciation by taking in people from other parts of this country, or quite frankly, from other countries, we have missed the boat on what's been going on in the very government schools that we trusted our children to. There's a statistic from the 
2018 election, whereupon Beto scared the snot out of a lot of Republicans, that stated that the in-state-born young people supported majority for Beto. They espoused socialistic or progressive mindset. Now, while we should be concerned and we and we should push back at the Yankification or the Californication of Texas, we really need to be paying closer attention to what's going on in our schools. We really probably ought not have given our children over to government schools, but we did. And and being that Texas has a long history of government schools, and quite frankly, a good majority of the state of Texas likes their government schools and they want their government schools, it becomes incumbent upon anybody that calls themselves a conservative or a Christian or, quite frankly, a Texan to be involved, to stand for what's right and to work to improve those schools. But again, you took a foolish risk by sending your children to a government school and not expect them to come out as government stooges. Much like the leadership of Texas gave up what made Texas, Texas to bring in other people, you and I and other parents for a generation or two have trusted the people that were teaching our children to not program them, to not propagate them, to not give them pro-government diets. And now we get to reap those rewards, right? We, we took our eyes off the prize. We weren't watching what was going on with our children. We didn't protect the following generation. I mean, uh, and I don't want to turn this into a bash the boomer thing here, but this has happened everywhere across the board. The disregard that was brought about for their children. And it was kind of echoed by my generation, right? Well, you know, Hey, the schools are the schools and we'll worry about fixing our kids when we get them the heck out of there. But right now we need a babysitter so we can work so we can afford our house because everything's so dang expensive. I mean, that's not a positive view on anything. So how did we get here? Why did this happen? Well, there's a lot of things. There just aren't opportunities that there once were, but there's lots of different opportunities. There are lots of other exciting opportunities. If you will only take the risk. And this risk is a positive risk. This, this risk is something that has a huge payoff, but it requires work and effort. You're not just rolling the dice. You're, you're putting forth what it takes to do it. To continue doing what we've been doing is going to leave us with a loss. We're going to be stuck with the loss of a generation. We're going to be stuck with the loss of our Texas. We're going to be stuck with the loss of the shining beacon of Liberty. That is the United States. And honestly, at this point, Texas more than anything else. I mean, we've got what three, four other States that would argue that they're more Liberty orientated. I mean, starting with New Hampshire, you've got Florida, Tennessee, and maybe Idaho. That's it. That's four states besides us. So five states, 10% of the U.S. states would actually make an argument that they're a more liberty-oriented state. How sad is that? What kind, of, what kind of situation do we allow ourselves to be put in because we just trusted government? Big Gov came along and said, oh, don't worry, I got you. 
We love you, baby. We're going to do what's best for you. I know it's going to hurt a little bit, but don't worry. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? We went along with it, though. We have nobody to blame but ourselves. So what does that mean? That means that we have to step up and take our piece of the pie. We have to push back. We have to stand on principle. We have to do the right thing. We have to protect our children. We have to protect our legacies. We have to take advantage of the opportunity that still exists. We still live in a representative republic. We need to make our representatives actually represent us. And part of them doing that job is to tell them what it is we want. Now, I've spent a great deal of time over the last two years devoting probably 20% of my episodes, one shape or form, to the notion that Texas can and should be an independent nation. I don't just do that because I think it's going to gain me listeners. I don't do that to drive drama. I I don't do that to gin up support. I think there's plenty of support already there. I think I'm just speaking the obvious truth. We can't fix D.C. Austin's got problems, but how can we address this? Well, I know we can tell D.C. to go your own way. We're going to do this thing. We've talked about the analogy of abusive family. You leave. We talked about if you've got a bad job, you don't stay there forever. You get what you need from it until you can go and stand on your own. We've talked about the idea that sometimes it's an unequal partnership and it's best to go a separate way. We've talked about the fact that they constantly disobey the constitution. They violate the terms of their contract and we keep going along to get along. We keep fooling ourselves that there's something to be gained by continuing to partake in the union. And then we have our share of Yankee politicians that are, some are born here locally and some that have moved here and they keep selling us this false notion that everything will be okay. Just go back asleep. Don't pay attention. We got this. I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think they got this. I don't know if we want to talk about the idea that we're on the cusp of World War III. I don't know if we want to talk about the idea that our leaders are poking the bear, quite literally, and the dragon at the same time, expecting that there'll be no consequence. Let's not talk about the fact that two banks have failed and there's probably several more to follow because of our bad policies and the people that we quote unquote trust to show us the way and do the right thing are doing neither. And yet we have no recourse. And if we ever talk about what that recourse is, then our Yankee leaders tell us that we're the problem. Tell us that we're the problem because we want to stand on our own two feet. Well, we're cutting and running, don't you know? No, we're not. We're redoubting. We're leaving a battle that's already been lost. We're, we're, we're sacrificing any chance of saving the leg to save the rest of the body. Right? We're exiting. This gives us an opportunity to build something new in Texas, apart from that which is D.C. There's no way to salvage the body of Texas if we don't cut off the limb that is D.C. There's no way to deal with all the shortcomings and all the problems if we don't take a risk. Now, I know there's a whole lot of people out there, but what about this? What about this? What about this? What about that? Well, I got to tell you, most of those answers already exist in a book conveniently written by Daniel Miller. And those questions that haven't been answered by Daniel Miller can probably be thought out of 
quite simply by a little bit of logic. And for those questions that don't get covered by those two things, there's this whole process called a treaty between two sovereign nations where they agree that this is our common border. This is how we're going to act. This is how we're going to treat our citizens. This is what we're going to do. All these things are still available. It doesn't have to lead to bloodshed. Now, it's been argued, maybe correctly so, that the D.C. people are not going to let us leave with our piece of pie. They're not going to let us take the ball and go home. They're going to fight us. My answer is, with what and how? They're already trying to create a war between the two other superpowers in the world. They're already bleeding us dry with the bank runs and the money that they have inflated into oblivion. They've already shut down our ability to maintain and build our own power plants. How much longer should we continue to tolerate the planned destruction of our country? We in Texas still have an option. We in Texas could take advantage of the fact that we have our own grid, we have our own ports, we have our own food and ability to produce it. And while we don't have the best state government, we have a functional state government, sort of. And if we will just apply a little pressure on these guys to do the right thing, we have an opportunity, perhaps a once in a generation opportunity that we can stand up and do what we know is right which is tell D.C. go pound sand and we're going to secure our own darn border. D.C. go pound sand. We're going to continue to look after our people first. D.C. to go pound sand because now we're putting Texas first. If you in America won't put America first, don't worry. Texas is going to put Texas first. We don't need you to be able to put Texas first because quite frankly, at the brass tacks of this, we're Texans. We're Tejanos. We're Texians, and we know what needs to be done for Texas to protect Texas and keep Texas forever. And we're not worried about what you and a couple of those little snivelling worms in DC may have to say of us. And for those of you that are in Austin that stand in the way, I will kindly remind you to please exercise one of those three options. And those of you relocated Yankees that are a little afraid or a little scared, there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. For those of you Yankees that have come down here like the volunteers from Tennessee, like me, come and join us. We're going to make our stand and we're going to do the right thing. And we're going to do it with or without the support of D.C. And quite frankly, at this rate, it may be without the support of Austin as well. Because you know what? All we got to do is call our own convention. And we can tell them all pound sand. They got to be real worried about that because there's nothing to prevent us from doing it. I'm a little nervous because I know what happens when you call a convention. But keep playing. Keep playing. (sighs) I'm going to use an acronym. And I know it's going to make some of you uh, sad. So I'm going to use the phonetic of it, right? Foxtrot Alpha. Foxtrot Oscar. For those of you that know what I just said, yes, I just did say that. That's a warning. If we're going to have politicians promise to kill anything and everything we want to do because they disagree with us, then we need to make the same warning back to them. Go ahead. Shut us down. See how long you keep your job. Go ahead. Shut us down. See how long you're welcome. We got to be willing to put some skin in the game. Maybe, just maybe, that we means we toss a few Yankees out on their backsides. It's been done before. 
before I go any further off here, before I get myself in any trouble, perhaps banned forever, uh, let me just remind you, this was the Pi Day, Texas Tuesday, episode 375. If you found this inspiring, interesting, aggravating, you can do me a favor. You can like, share, and subscribe to this show. If you're feeling particularly enthusiastic at this moment, you can comment and rate this show. I'm currently hosted by Podbean. We're going to be switching over. It's just a matter of a few more days. And now that I've hit the magic 100K, thank you to my two listeners out there. We will carry on and we will take this message to the rest of Texas. And until then, I will see you on the other side.